This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for feds in the know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, June 9th, 2023. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford & Roth. This week, we're learning to bridge generational divides within the workplace and across our communities. Not only will we be discussing how to recruit and retain the next generation of civil servants, but also how to seamlessly integrate different generations into the workplace and meet their unique communication needs and styles. That means managing those styles, preferences, and there's a lot of pieces here. Uh, It can be a lot to manage, but our guests are expert at this from within the workforce, from communicating to the workforce, through associations and ERGs. And and we're really bringing this together with some unique perspective here on Fed Talk. Uh, So I'm excited to introduce our panel here today. Uh, First up, joining us from Worldwide Assurance for Employees of Public Agencies, or as we call them here inside the Beltway, WAPA, is Chief Marketing Officer, Stacey Outlaw. Great to have you on Fed Talk, Stacey. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, Next, we have Jeffrey Vargas. Uh, Jeff is the founder of Generationology, a future of work and leadership development company and a former federal executive. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Jason and team. Good to see you. Good morning. Uh, And finally, uh, our third guest this morning is Stefan Matthews. He is the regional council president uh, for number 11 in Blacks in Government. Uh, Welcome, Stefan. It's awesome to have another representative from BIG here on Fed Talk. Hey, Jason, thanks so much for having me. Uh, and, and you know, as we dive into our conversation here today, just to kind of set the, the stage and set the context that each of you will be bringing to our discussion, uh, I wanted to in- let each of you just briefly introduce yourselves and, and your organizations. Uh, and and Stacy, we'll start with you over at WEPA and, and your role as the Chief Marketing Officer. Great, thank you. So, Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Stacey Outlaw, and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at WEPA. We're a nonprofit organization that provides group term life insurance to civilian feds. Our mission is to promote the health, welfare, and financial well being of our membership. And we've been serving feds for over 80 years now. I've been with WEPA since 2017, and I'm really excited to be here today. Thanks so much, Stacey. We're, we're happy to have you here. Uh, Jeff, uh, tell us a little about yourself and Generationology. Generationology. So uh, I'm President and CEO of Generationology. Uh, we are a future of work company that is helping organizations figure out how to build an intergenerational leadership culture. Uh, we do that by working on human capital programs, projects, and initiatives. And we have about 47 different uh, in-person and virtual leadership and professional development workshops that we offer. 
we get deep into the generation conversation because we we really operate on a foundation that says that in order for, for the workplace to be exceptional in the future and today, uh, you have to pay attention to generations, make sure they're seen, they're heard, and they're valued in all generations. And the government is one of our main clients. We got about 53 agencies I think we're working with uh, now. And uh, we love the opportunity to engage, just help people find their space to be exceptional. Thanks so much, Jeff. Glad to have you here. And I, I also know that you're a, a board member of uh, Global Minded and I appreciate you stepping away from their event, which which I think is happening while we're taping uh, to, to join us here. And we'll, we'll pull in through the conversation a bit more about them, but didn't know if you wanted to mention what that organization does. Yeah, so uh, Global Minded and the conference is taking place as we speak. Uh, is an organization that is set primarily to help uh, men and women of um, diverse backgrounds understand the hidden curriculum of success. And so we work with uh, companies like Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Target. Uh, we also have a, a number of federal agencies. And right now, all of us are in Denver, Colorado, about 1,500 folks, 22 different countries, all working on this issue trying to give people what they need in order to be successful through mentorship and uh, and leadership engagement. Awesome. Uh, so glad to have your perspective from, from both lenses here. Um, and Stefan, um, I've known you for a long time in your various roles at, at Blacks in Government, and, and these days uh, you're heading up Regional Council 11. Can you tell us a little bit about BIG and, and, and what you're focused on uh, there today with the council? Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jason, and thank you again for uh, the invite to join today's discussion. Um, I am a self-proclaimed millennial leader um, in everything I do. And so um, outside of uh, working in government, um, I am the regional council president for Region 11 of Blacks in Government. Um, Blacks in Government has been around since 1975, uh, serving as an advocate um, for employees at the state, local, um, and federal levels uh, of government. Um, Blacks in government provides networking opportunities, uh, training to include our National Training Institute, community service opportunities, as well as the Leadership Academy uh, for our members. Um, as I mentioned, I proudly serve as the council president of Region 11, uh, which is the largest region of Blacks in government. Uh, we are based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. We currently have 52 chapters at federal agencies across the area, and at um, last count, we have about 2,700 members just in the D.C. area. Um, so I am, again, excited to be here and looking forward to adding my perspective um, as a millennial leader uh, to the conversation, but also um, as um, a member of um, an employee resource group or affinity group. Thank you. Thanks so much, Stefan, and and uh, we really appreciate you being here. And and we'll caveat that any comments that you're offering today are in your capacity as a representative of of Big and not for your agency. And uh, kind of wanted to come back to you, Stefan, to to start this conversation. Why why is focusing and talking about uh, generations important um, from your own standpoint at Big and 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 as a federal employee, I, I think about ten to fifteen years into your career. Sure, um, and and thank you for that question. And so I think so. I, I'm currently thirteen years of federal service, um, and I think really what the wake up call for um, us in government was the pandemic. Um, the pandemic really um, 
uh, it showed a light. It shone a light on um, some of the the gaps that we have in government, and that is the generational gap. Um, and uh, one of the things that I personally saw um, at one of the, the agencies that I was with during the pandemic, we had I had about two to three um, individuals in my office to retire, um, and they they left. They retired. And they took out, when they left, they left with a, um, a wealth of knowledge and um, an agency uh, information that uh, they took with them. And so what the gap that I saw was that me as a someone new to the agency, you know, I was kind of lost. I'm like, all right, this information is going out the door. Um, and so th this gap is, 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 is a real gap. And so, what we really need and why we need to talk about generations is that we have one generation that is ready to retire or that have retired and we have this new generation that's coming into government and we got to kind of bridge that gap so that the, the new generation of government employees can really be equipped with what they need to be successful in their careers thanks stefan i really appreciate that and, and i want to go to stacy to change it up a little bit and then after our first break we're going to bring jeff in Stacy, you know, we have five generations of federal employees in the federal mm -hmm. workforce, which probably makes your job communicating to them in the ways that they want uh, from WEPA really challenging. Kind of what are your thoughts about that at, at a high level as we go into this discussion? Yeah, so at WEPA, we've done, uh, we've been in business for, for quite some time now, and we've seen a lot of these changes occur. Um, and one of our goals and objectives is to really to better understand the federal audience, who makes up the federal audience. Um, we know that they're passionate about civil service, generally speaking. Um, they're extremely loyal to their jobs, to their mission. But when it when it comes to communication and, and going across five different generations, sometimes six, depending on how you how you define that, um, it, it, the, the ability to communicate in multiple ways is key, meaning um, you don't want to just come at it from one linear approach because your younger generation is going to be much more comfortable and familiar with technology. They're used to it. They, they expect it. Um, they expect the quick convenience uh, that technology often provides. And then you have your older generation who are accustomed, you know, they were around when fax machines were were part of your daily job and your, your daily routine. So one of the key successes for us is being able to communicate to your audience in a multitude of ways and not just a one size fits all. Love that. Thanks so much, Stacey. We're, we're going to come back to some of those ideas through our discussion. Uh, this morning. We have to pause for our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We'll be back to this conversation about bridging generational divides in the federal workplace after a word from our sponsor. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm here with Jeff Vargas from Generationology, Stacey Outlaw from WEPA, and Stefan Matthews from Big. Uh, 
And Jeff, uh, I wanted to bring you into this discussion. You know, we heard from Stefan kind of the imperative to, to lean into uh, these generational issues, particularly with huge amounts of, of knowledge and expertise walking out the door with, with looming retirements. And Stacy kind of talked about some of the challenges of, of meeting people where there are and some of their different preferences. Uh, and so kind of I'm just curious about your, your thoughts on, I guess, at the macro level initially, why is it important that we focus on these, these generational similarities and differences? Uh, thank you, and Jason, for the opportunity to be a part of this great group and to get deep into this discussion. You know, why is it important? I, I think, you know, Stefan really touched on it from uh, the dialogue about the pandemic. Stacey, you know, the communication aspects that one has to engage in with five, five different generations in the workplace. Here's why it's important. The government's model, and I should mention, I spent 22 years in the federal government. I was the chief learning officer for the nation's nuclear weapons program. I was a chief learning officer for the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. You know, now I do consulting in, in this generation space. So when we talk about government and why it's so important to have the generations conversation, we have to figure our way to collaborate and really identify and execute our intergenerational collaborative intelligence. And what do we really mean by that? In yesteryear, you know, when I came into the government in the 90s, I won't say what year in the 90s, we'll just pick the 90s as the decade. You know, um, it was very clear how you became a federal leader. You were in an apprenticeship program. So for a period of time, you were going to be in a job, watch someone do a job, and then execute that job. What has happened subsequently is we bring people on now and we tell them, great, uh, we've got folks retiring, as Stefan mentioned, we need you to fill a gap A, B, or C, and they haven't had a chance to experience that apprenticeship model. What happens there? You ask questions, you make mistakes, you fail forward, you try, and you, you make changes. We It's critical at this point to recognize that our federal government is still built on a baby boom model, but the people who are in the lanes of the freeway are in different generations. And we need to recognize that they look at work differently, they collaborate differently, and they execute work differently. And if we don't do that, the if-then statement, like we used to talk about the nuclear weapons program, the big kaboom that could happen is we just don't function not only effectively, but efficiently as a government. So we really have to focus on intergenerational collaborative intelligence. Love that answer, Jeff. And, and Stefan, next, I wanted to bring you in here uh, and specifically invite you to talk about some of the big programs that are focused on these, these up and coming generations, whether it's, it's your flag program or your now generation. And, and the question that I'd ask is, why did Big see that those programs and initiatives were important? And, and I know that we're, we're kind of down into the shoot, I think, at least 10 years for, for at least one of those programs. So, so you've now started to see some success as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, um, Jason, for that question. And so, yes, uh, Big uh, initially saw the need within the organization itself. Um, and the leaders at the time, when they created these two, two programs, also saw that this need uh, also related to the federal government, the federal workforce as well. So the two programs that um, Big created uh, specifically for this issue um, is our FLAG program, which is our Future Leaders of America's Government program. Um, the program was started um, about 10, 10, or, 10, or, uh, 10 or so years ago 
um, by our former national president. And so our flag program uh, focuses on uh, middle school, high school, and college age students. And the purpose of the program is to give us exposure, direct exposure to students uh, to government careers. And so that includes, you know, having speakers to come out to speak to them about their different careers, um, uh, having the students uh, actually visit some of these federal agencies in person. Um, and it also includes a mentorship piece and mentorship is really uh, a big part of flag program of the flag program. Um, and so it includes that as well. And our other program that focuses on um, uh, the younger generation um, in the workforce is our Now Generation program. So our Now Generation program uh, focuses on uh, big members under the age of 40. Um, our Now Generation program, uh, they work to provide training specifically for that generation under 40. Uh, so that includes different leadership training, um, and as we know, we do have managers and leaders under the age of 40, so it includes uh, man managers training, um, but it runs the gamut on different trainings that uh, is offered for those two programs. So we we saw the need and we created those two programs. And again, um, you know, members can be a part of the flag program by becoming mentors. They can work with local schools in their communities across the country to establish those flag programs. Um, again, at middle schools, high schools, or colleges. And to be a part of the Now Generation program, you just have to be a member of BIG, and then you'll be able to participate um, in those, uh, in any program that our Now Generation puts on. Awesome. Um, thank you for highlighting those programs. And, and Stacy wanted to bring you in here. I, I believe WEPA supports some of these programs, so thank you to WEPA for its, its support, both of BIG and for so many organizations across the federal community. I was curious what thoughts you might have to add to, the, to this discussion, whether it's specifically on these programs or just how you navigate, you know, getting the word out to, to folks who are coming to WEPA from different ways. Yeah, so speaking specific to some of the generation gaps, as you guys know, each generation has its own characteristics regarding their vernacular, their technology, technology, um, the way that influences them, their attitude toward the workplace, and just their overall general consensus and ways of life. Um, so one of the things that we really focus on is staying true to our identity and staying true to our brand. Because when you're talking younger demographic, they can quickly sniff out whether you're being true to what you're saying that you're offering and that you're providing. Um, and that can go um, one of two ways. If they feel that you are in any way virtue signaling or misrepresenting what it is that you are authentically trying to represent, they will, they will turn and never look back. So, um, and a lot of times we find you have, you have one shot at this. And so um, we, as a, as a brand ourselves and as a company, we serve all civilian feds, um, and that's young to to SES and and you know going into retirement. Um, but with that, we um, we typically are um, trying to help educate the younger audience on um, some of those resources and um, things that they may not be privy to. As as Jeff was saying earlier. Um, and I think Stefan even and spoke about this as well, is there the, there's a lot of 
institutional knowledge with that older demographic that if they retire, it, it walks out the door with them. And so part of our mission is to partner with associations like BIG and really pour into their mentorship program because we truly believe that they are the next generation of the workforce. And so we, we proudly support those type of initiatives. Thanks so much, Stacey. And uh, Stefan and then Jeff, I'm, I'm curious about um, your perspective on new employees. Say someone is new to an organization. Where are they finding out about, uh, you know, employee groups like BIG? Where are they finding out about employee resource groups or other voluntary activities where they can be onboarded and so, and socialized to all of the different things that they need to know. You know, even what newsletters do you subscribe to now that you're a government employee to find out what's what's going on around you? And um, maybe we'll go to Jeff first, and then and then bring Steph on here. Kind of, how do we set up some of those those new employees for success with the information that they need? Well, it's a great question, Jason, because there needs to be a clear distinction between orientation and onboarding. You know, we, we speak about orientation and we help agencies recognize there's really, you know, four quadrants to the conversation when we start talking about, you know, onboarding in and of itself. The, the first really is, is making sure that, that people, you know, they get all their, their paperwork done. Uh, they can, you know, sign up for uh, the often and, and other kinds of engagements that they need. And so it's really on the compliance side and every agency does that well. But when it, it comes to finding out about opportunities, unfortunately, the rest of the onboarding process is really a mismatch. And one of the things that we encourage uh, individuals to do is to look at onboarding through a couple of other lenses. You know, our, our four lenses, compliance, which they're going to do. But the other is, is the cultural onboard. So what is it? What does the world of work look like within the government? And then what does the world of work look like within the agency that you're working with in the government? And so for folks to get that answer, oftentimes there are, um, as Stefan mentioned, there's people who have knowledge and they walk out the door with knowledge, but they're your informal cultural uh, sort of engagement folks. And you do want to have a virtual, or if you can, in-person cup of coffee and just talk a little bit about the world of work. What does that look like within your agency, within government? And then there, the other aspects are really, really focused on the job itself. I always tell, tell people all the time, right? You know, if you're a, um, you know, program analyst 343 at an agency, you are going to have one set of executing your job duties you can learn from other people at other agencies as well. So being parts of networks like BIG are critical because you're going to meet people who are doing similar like work than you. Uh, and you can learn the 30,000 foot requirements of your job from those individuals. Uh, the 15,000 and ground level, obviously, with the people you're, you're working with. But the last area, I think the area that we miss, particularly on the intergeneration side, is just onboarding on the concept of interpersonal relationships and networks. So again, when you were in the apprenticeship model, somebody helped you figure out how do you talk to your boss's boss's boss when you have that opportunity to engage them? We're not, we're not doing that now and we need to. And the places to find that information often are housed with storied leaders within a human capital office 
who are willing to share if they're just asked. But there's no real lever that you push, button that you hit online uh, to get that kind of information. You really have to dig deep in the organization and find people who are willing to share. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Stefan, wanted to bring you in here. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything Jeff just just said. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's twofold when it comes to, you know, new employees starting at any agency um, and how do we set those employees up for success? And I say it's twofold because one, I do believe that, you know, it is incumbent upon the new employee to do their due diligence and do research, one, on the agency in which they are going to be, uh, uh, be working for. Um, and then once they come on board, then to, you know, be proactive and, you know, do research on if the agency has any formal mentorship programs. We know that um, some agencies are better than others when in regards to these mentorship programs. And so sometimes, and what I tell a lot of the um, young professionals that I interact with in big and outside of big is that you have to be proactive. You have to, I think Jeff mentioned about having coffee, setting up a coffee or lunch and those are those are things that you know someone new to government they don't really understand the importance of that cup of coffee or importance of that lunch and so but but uh, once you uh, you know join you know employee resource groups like big and others out there you know you learn the importance of you know what that cup of coffee can do you know when you're sitting down with the chief of staff or deputy chief of staff of the agency you know when you research the mentor programs um, and, and have these other um, discussions that are, you know, outside of the typical, uh, outside of the office, right? Um, and so, um, but just, I would just say again, you know, setting up new employees for success, you know, it does require some effort on the new employee, but it also requires the agency as well. And I'll just say this, you know, we are um, at that onboarding process, uh, which is the first, um, real exposure that the new employee has to the agency, you know, uh, uh, Blacks in government and other organizations are looking to be a part of that conversation, that dialogue right at the start to let employees know that there are, you know, resource groups, um, they're called affinity groups at some agencies, employee resource groups and others that can assist with, you know, finding a network that it can assist with, you know, um, being a part of a mentorship program setting up those different coffees and those lunches with different senior leaders within the agency. Um, so I'll, I'll just add that, but yeah, it, it's definitely, um, you know, up to not only the agency, but the new employee as well to kind of be proactive in what they're looking for when they come on board. I love that point that it's a, a two-way street. You can't just uh, let, let other folks um, set it up for you. Uh, we've got to pause here for our second break. Uh, and we'll continue our discussion uh, after this break and a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. 
Shaw, Brentford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Brentford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbrantsford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm here with our guests, Jeff Vargas from Generationology, Stacy Outlaw from WEPA, and Stefan Matthews from BIG, discussing uh, how agency leaders can help bridge generational divides in the workplace. And before the break, we were talking about reaching some of the newer employees, uh, younger generations of the workforce. And now I kind of want to look at the other side of the equation. Uh, thinking of ways to to support and uh, communicate with with that sandwich generation, um, those folks who are experienced in the workplace and and maybe also taking care of family or or other loved ones, uh, they might also have kids at the same time of their own and 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 are really being squeezed there. And and Stacy, I wanted to to bring you in first on this one and. Uh, kind of ask you your thoughts on what are the unique challenges and the impacts uh, emotionally and financially for those who are in that situation where they're, you know, supporting both their own kids and maybe helping their parents out or, or some other uh, aging family member. What does that look like? And um, yeah, what does that look like for WEPA and, and how you're approaching helping folks in the market? Yeah. So at WEPA, we often say feds are people too. And, and what we mean by that is um, we know that they are, they likely have an intense job. Um, it can be stressful, just like uh, any of us can experience in our day to day. But they're also dealing with things outside of work and whether that's taking care of their own children all while maintaining, um, you know, trying to, to care, be a caretaker for their elderly parents there's there's a lot of pressure right and so I, those are those challenges may not be unique to the federal audience but what we've learned is that they're really craving that flexibility within the workforce and oftentimes federal agencies do provide a bit of work life balance and um, a, a healthy maintaining that healthy work life balance we find is is one way to navigate this world of an intense job, and then um, you know some of the the priorities that they they also have to deal with at the home front. Awesome, and I'm I'm curious, you know, Jeff or Stefan, through your own experience in in the workplace or or what you might be doing in your organizations, just curious if you have any reactions or anything to add to what Stacy just said there. I, I can just tell you that I'm actually living uh, the sandwich generation uh, upstairs, right, right, um, right, right here. I, I have uh, my mom, who's 91 years old, uh, who lives with us. Um, my wife, who will always be 29 in my eyes, but she's a Gen Xer. Uh, I'm a Gen Xer, and we've got three kids: 16, 14, uh, and 11. So this whole conversation that Stacy just sort of uh, identified for us is, uh, in a lot of ways, the holy grail for uh, Gen X uh, leaders. Uh, Gen X leaders today are saying work-life balance is um, sort of the holy grail for us. And so um, this sandwich generation isn't theoretical. 
People do have to leave meetings and schedule around doctor's appointments. Uh, and so when an agency recognizes that, well, wait a minute, I can, I can spend time recruiting and doing outreach to, to Gen Z and millennials, which I should do, but let's stop for a second. Some of the leaders that are in place now, if I do the three most, I think, important things, if we see people, if we hear people and we value them, the context of that in the sandwich generation is we let Generation X know that we see them, we hear them, we value them, and we know the application of that looks like. You have time off to take. It's not a, it's not a surprise that you've got to take your mom to a physical therapy appointment. In my case, that's not going to be 30 minutes. I wish it would be, right? The going, the coming, and having lunch, that's a good two, two and a half hour break. But it's the recognition of that. I think that sets up agencies for great success when they can say that kind of generational dialogue out loud. I really love that that idea. Stefan, curious about your thoughts here on this one. Yeah, absolutely. And again, talking um, from the perspective of a millennial myself and, you know, uh, and from the Gen Z perspective, because that is the generation that's coming into the workforce, I think they too look for um, flexibility and that work-life balance. Unfortunately, you know, I think for the Gen Z um, generation, you know, if they don't immediately see that flexibility um, or that work-life balance, they're going to they're going to leave and they're going to look for greener pastures. And and I think that is sort of the difference between the sandwich generation and, and, and kind of millennials and Gen Z is just that um, they are quicker. And, it, and it's not a bad thing and it's not a snub at Gen Z or my you know millennials. Um, it's just that, you know, if we don't see it working out for us, we're going to you know, look for other opportunities. And I think, you know, the federal government can do better at um, really, and, and, and again, this is agency by agency. I can't speak for all agencies. I've, I've worked for three different federal agencies um, in my career. And I can say that it's the, the work-life balance and flexibilities were all different at those agencies. So just some consistency there, but speaking for myself, I know um, as a millennial, um, you know, we, you know, there, as, as I mentioned, it kind of alluded to earlier, you know, millennials, we, it's, 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 you know, we make up new managers, new employees to government, you know, we have kids, you know, our parents are getting older too. So we're starting to really look at that flexibility and that work-life balance. Um, and, and, and I think because we're in government already, we're kind of taking some time to really consider our options. Whereas Gen Z, as I mentioned, you know, they're like, if I don't, if they don't see it, either in the job announcement or when they come on board, they're going to they're gonna look for other opportunities. So I think, um, and, and again, for myself, you know, flexibility is a big thing. And um, just to bring up the pandemic again, and I, and I know we're trying to get over this pandemic, but I really think the pandemic really was eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, and, and to the extent where, you know, if we're able to, you know, really meet our agency's mission and do our work remotely, right, and be successful at it, then we should be able to continue to work from home or remote location. Um, and so I think that flexibility comes in, um, especially as the government is bringing folks back into the office. So really, it's just something that the federal government as a whole needs to look at, but agency by agency needs to really look at those flexibility options and really um, 
uh, how to improve, you know, that work-life balance that all of us, every generation, uh, is affected by. Oh, I think this this discussion is really interesting, and I think that you're right that something changed, and, and in my mind, it's folks aren't going to go back to just biting their lip and kind of just grinding through and and figuring it out. Uh, people are demanding some more space and time for themselves and their personal needs. Um, but that's because they know that that enables them to, to give their best uh, to the mission, to their work when they're there and doing that. But that doesn't have to be uh, every waking and breathing, you know, hour and minute. Stacy, I'm kind of just curious how this has looked for WEPA. I know that most, you know, you, you have a headquarters here in the D.C. area um, and, you know, you don't necessarily have the same distributed workforce that federal agencies might. But but some of these kind of just management realities, I'm, I'm curious what it's looked like on your own team or at the company. Yeah, so I would say the the biggest takeaway is being open minded and the key to maintaining that healthy work life balance may look different for each employee each generation and you can't try and force that mandate that everyone do and act the same way um, the key really is flexibility and um, that helps with the retention because as Stefan was saying the the younger generation if, if they don't like what they're hearing they the not saying they're not loyal, but they are quick to make a move that does suit their needs. So um, we really try to uh, sustain that that healthy work-life balance within our own organization, but we also try to see it through the lens of the Fed and knowing that that's what they're that that they need in order to be successful. Thank you, Stacy and and Jeff. I wanted to kind of bring this conversation back to circle by asking, you know, there's there's different versions of what success look like uh, for different generations. And, you know, there's a version of America where, you know, if you're not, your hair's not on fire and you're not uh, working yourself to the bone, you know, you're, you're not giving it your all. Um, that's not what success looks like for everybody. How, how do folks navigate those, those generational differences of, of that reality? Yeah, I think, you know, Stacey did a great job of just, again, reminding us that each generation has a different viewpoint and a different voice. So, you know, um, agencies all the time are looking for efficiencies. And so they're thinking, well, you know, what's what's the value proposition I need to articulate? And then, you know, how do we how do we make this conversation? How do we make this engagement actually work? But but the reality is, if you're really committed to seeing, hearing, and valuing employees, then you have to take that extra effort to say, how does how does that song hit on the ears of a generation uh, one versus a, a different generation and be ready and able and willing to change the pace and cadence of that song and that engagement that you have? To put it in practical terms, right? Uh, if an agency is looking at building their, their workforce for the future, not to talk about, even during the onboarding phase, the fact that reality is that you might leave government and come back. That's called boomeranging into a job, should be dialogued about to your millennial and Gen Z employees. That was basically saying curse words when, you know, when, for, for the baby boom generation. It was 30 years gold watch, the three Ps, picture, plaque, and pose, right? But in order to effectually you know, navigate this space, 
you've got to recognize that each generation is going to want to be seen, heard, and valued. One real practical way we, we helped an agency with recently is to reinvent their awards program. It used to be in yesteryear, picture, plaque, and pose. The higher the person was in the level, the better it was for all of us in terms of engagement. Now it's, can we put it on YouTube? Can we invite our friends and family to watch? Can the individuals who are part of the organization actually participate in the program in and of itself? And then is it all right if there's an afterglow where we talk about some of the successes that we've had? We have to allow ourselves the privilege of reinvention in order to see the successes that we'd like in the future. I love that. Um, thank you, Jeff. Uh, we're going to pause here to take our final break. Uh, and after a word from our sponsor, sponsors, we'll return to our discussion. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering our last segment of the show, talking about generational divides and uh, similarities, differences, uh, commonalities. At the end of the day, uh, I think what, what I've heard through our conversation with uh, Jeff Vargas from Generationology, uh, Stefan Matthews from Blacks in Government, Regional Council 11 uh, uh, President, and Stacey Outlaw from WEPA, is that you know, we're dealing with human beings here, and 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 we're in uh, a time of great uncertainty, a time of great change uh, for people in the workplace, but also for themselves at home as they navigate uh, work and life, and and try to make it all work. And we've talked about people with the beginning of their career, folks who are deep in their career, uh, navigating these things, and curious about your perspective on, on kind of some of the trends and issues that, that we need to keep an eye out for um, as we continue down this path and as we bring additional generations into the workforce and eventually uh, see some of those uh, cycling out or at least cycling uh, down in terms of how much of the slice of the pie that they are. And so, um, Stacy, I know that you guys are always researching, seeing what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. um, in the broader landscape. So I'm curious about your thoughts on some of these trends um, as it relates to generational differences, as you're thinking about communicating uh, effectively to folks in those different populations. Yeah, I would say uh, in order to unite federal employees, you need to continue encouraging that multi-generational teamwork and collaboration. Um, what do I mean by that? creating clear cultural values within your organization, highlighting the importance of the quality of the work rather than getting focused on where the work is being done. I know in this post-COVID world that we live in, the federal government made a lot of shifts. And it's, at first it was, you know, a hybrid schedule. And then you could go to, well, no, it started with completely re remote and then it went into hybrid. And then now they're trying to, to, to get people back into the office. So I think the, the important value or, or core concept is the quality of work that's being done and, and not so much where 
that work is being done. And then the last thing I would say is one of the, the most important values is regardless of, of what generation a Fed may fall into, and that is respecting each other and, and emphasizing respect within the federal workforce. Thanks so much, Stacey. Really love those thoughts. Uh, Stefan, uh, w- wanted to bring you in here and, and, and get your thoughts on the same question. And, and I think it, it probably applies both to this generational conversation that we've had here, but also, uh, you know, race conversations, you know, with, with you all representing Blacks in government and, and another vector to, to discussions in, in, in the government space here. Sure. And I I just wanted to uh, really repeat what Jeff said earlier about being seen, heard and valued. I think that that is those are three things that we all um, as humans and as government employees across generations really look forward to um, by our um, employers. Um, But uh, just some of the the trends that um, I hope to see uh is just the government really uh, embracing a, a hybrid work schedule um i think that I, I believe that some agencies you know are you know have really embraced it while others um are still kind of working on their stance there but i think as a whole you know if the government uh really embraced that hybrid work schedule you know it would really you know um increase um uh, individuals who are looking to work in government because that hybrid schedule then brings flexibility uh it brings that work-life balance so those are some of the trends that i hope to see uh, like this work uh, uh this hybrid type schedule um in the future um and of course you know with the hybrid schedule you know um it could bring you know issues with like cybersecurity, uh things like that um because people of course are working at home and their home network and things like that so those are some of the issues i see with the hybrid with a, a hybrid type model or schedule but i do think that uh that is you know where the future of work is is headed towards um as uh where um uh, employees have the opportunity you know to work remotely from wherever they are i mean as i mentioned you know being able to get their work done and um really meet their agency's mission um but i think you know as far as big and other ergs you know i do see that uh as far as trends membership increasing for different ERGs and employee affinity groups, you know, uh, with the uncertain times because big and other groups, you know, offer a community to members of the federal workforce. And as big as I mentioned, you know, we have members at state, local and federal government. So I do see an uptick in um, individuals wanting to be a part of a community, uh, wanting to join these affinity groups and employee resource groups really to want um, to be a part of that community, but also to enhance their leadership skills and enhance their networks as well um, as, you know, the future of, of, of work really, you know, becomes uh, uh, really, uh, it, it becomes, it's the future of work, but really the future of work is today. You know, how can we, you know, make those changes uh, now within our offices and within our agencies? Jeff, what I, what I really wanted to ask you about was, and, and perhaps this is where we bring in the discussion about um, the work that you're doing with Global Minded, bridging, bridging gaps between communities. You know, it's awesome to have ERGs and other groups 
or even generational groups that are focused on their unique needs. But how do you cross-pollinate those, those groups? What are some of the benefits of cross-pollinating those networks uh, for folks on both sides of the equation? Fantastic question, Jason. And we are literally doing that today and have been doing that this, this week. Um, one area of focus that we have, and we actually I offer a workshop on it, it's called Mentoring Within and Across Diverse Groups. So we, we you know, recently had an opportunity to deliver this for the um, Federal Motor Carrier Security Administration, who has a big, you know, 100 plus person mentoring program. And what's really interesting is you're creating a safe space. You are practicing psychological safety where people who may not have had a lot of engagement with communities outside of, of their own get to ask questions and learn about ways, you know, techniques, strategies that they can employ to demonstrate to a group that's outside of their own, what does it mean to be mentored? And here's the other part. What does it mean to be a successful mentee in that environment? So you you have to be very intentional in this conversation. uh, And you have to get, one of the things that I often recommend to people is if you're going to speak into their life, you got to ask for permission to speak into their life. So if I, you know, one of the things we work a lot on is feedback. If it's time for me to offer feedback and I'd say, you know, hey, Stefan, we've had a chance to work together for the last couple of months. You know, would it be okay if I provided you some feedback on just some, you know, intergenerational collaboration opportunities that I think you might have? Now, to Stefan's earlier point where he said, you know, it's incumbent, incumbent upon the younger generation to do research. This is an area where there's a gap. Because that is a huge olive branch that a senior leader would be extending to say, hey, I'm asking if I can speak into your life. Why do you do that? Because if permission is not granted, then you're on a level playing field. But if it is, the ability to go from conversation to impact is exponential. And one of the things that we have to do when we're talking about how do we do this across different groups is giving ourselves a chance to ask for that permission. And then the last part to that is to recognize that this happens to all of us, mistakes are gonna happen. You know, we do our best to be an an advocate. We do our best to serve as as an ally. Sometimes it doesn't go well. So how do we practice the superpower of tenderness and apology in a way that makes folks recognize that we're there to stay. But, you know, uh, if you bet, 300 in baseball, you know, every every third time you're up, you're doing good, right? Um, in life, we're going to make mistakes too. But if we give ourselves the gift of tenderness and apology, we find exponential success. I, I love those lessons of vulnerability, which are, are, are often uh, a, a character trait or personality trait that can open you up to typically negative things in the workplace um, being positioned here by multiple of you as, as positive traits that we really need to lean into um, to, to treat our employees right. And, and as people, as you've said, and Stacey, I didn't know if you had anything to, to react to what Jeff just laid out there. No, I, I think there's a lot of truth in, in what he said, primarily with um, making sure that the, the feedback is welcomed and and that they're in a place where they're receptive to receiving what's being said or or what observations have been made and it's not from a critiquing standpoint it's a place of betterment and sometimes the mindset really does matter when it comes to 
how someone perceives the information that you're giving them. Awesome. Thank you. And and Stefan, curious if you have any thoughts there or kind of looking forward, like lessons and, and, and takeaways from this discussion to, to offer our audience as we, we start winding down this event talk here today. Sure. I, I, I you know, I, again, as I mentioned, I, I was honored to be a part of today's discussion. Um, I do think uh, there should be more discussions like this across government, uh, within our communities, um, either, you know, Federal News Network, you know, is a large platform, but even within our own offices, within our ERG. So um, it was great to be a part of this discussion. Um, and um, if, if individuals listening to this want to know more about Blacks in Government, they can go to uh, bignet.org. That's bignet.org, where you can find out information about joining BIG, uh, some of our initiatives, and also find out information about our uh, 44th Annual National Training Institute, which will take place August the 28th through the 31st um, at the National Harbor uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. So it's a well, it's open to all uh, federal uh, and local state employees to join us. So hope to see you there. Thank you, Jason, again for the opportunity. Thank you, Stefan. So glad to have you representing big on this conversation and, and totally agree that these are really critical conversations to have. And uh, we'll see what we can do to keep stirring the pot out there in the community. Uh, Jeff, uh, any any concluding thoughts from you and, uh, and and where folks can find out more about Generationology? Yeah, I, first and foremost, it's just for us to remember that success is really found in being a servant leader. Uh, and in that regard, we got to give before we get, we got to offer before we ask. And we really are, are focused on helping folks recognize the gift of leadership they have in themselves and then applying that into whatever federal position that they have been blessed to be in. Um, they can find out more. You can find out more about Generationology at uh, generationology.org. Uh, we have uh, 47 workshops that are um, ready to be provided for agencies and engage federal employees. And we're on all kinds of networks. We have 46 workshops this summer. So you'll catch us someplace, catch us someplace at some moment, but appreciate the opportunity to share, Jason. And we look forward to continuing this dialogue. Stefan is 100% right. Uh, there should be a multiplicity of dialogues like this and recognize that we have a whole lot more in common than we do um, uh, you know, differences. Thanks so much. And so glad you can join us today. And uh, Stacy, Chief Marketing Officer at WEPA, thank you so much, both for WEPA support uh, across the community and for joining us here on this conversation. Any last thoughts from you? Yeah, two quick things. One, um, as I mentioned early on, we, we've done a lot of research around feds and we have a boatload of resources on our website um, to include guides that talk about what to do as a new federal employee. So I encourage listeners to go out and, and take a look at those. Our website is waepa.org. And then lastly, I would just say multi-generational workplaces are here to stay. And I personally think that's a really good thing. Awesome. Well, Stacy Outlaw, Jeff Barga, Stefan Matthews, thank you so much for your time, your awesome insights here on Fed Talk. That's all the time we've got uh, for today. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you.